1: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico, Michaela Watkins, and Grace Para joined to tackle the following questions. How do you deal with disturbing allegations against somebody who is supposed to be your guy? Wouldn't it be a relief after the pandemic if we could all just keep not giving a shit about touching up our roots? And can cruises finally be done now? Answers to all this and more right now. Before we get to the show, here's what's going on with me. I was a little worried about the rationing of paper products, and I thought I would run out of napkins, and I realized that if you're depressed and wearing sweatpants, you've always got one big napkin on the lower half of your body. So a little lifestyle tip from me to you. Second thing I realized, um, it is time to talk about the allegations against Joe Biden. Obviously, I have a lot of complicated feelings around it. It's a complicated issue, and more facts keep coming out about it. But I can't think of a person I'd rather talk to about this issue or any issue of similar levels of complication than my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Barack Obama and broth enthusiast, Alyssa Mastromonica. Hey, Alyssa. Hi, Aaron. You know, during quarantine time, I've had a lot of time to just kind of sit with my thoughts. And I had a realization the other day. What was that? You know how a lot of people find certain words gross? Like Definitely. Moist Moist is the worst. Everybody hates moist. I've, I came up with a new one. What? Quench.
0: Disgusting. Quench. Disgusting. It's a gross word. There's no reason to use it ever. But wait, what? Happened that you used or or your pandemic partner used that word that it revolted you.
1: I think I saw it on packaging for a sports drink about it being
0: a quenching. Oh.
1: Can we we gotta come up
0: with a different word. Well, or you could do what I do and instead of drinking Gatorade during the pandemic, I've turned to Pedialyte. <laughs> I've been drinking so much Pedialyte. Yeah. It honestly, it's a game changer.
1: Let's get into a story that we, yeah, that's kind of been percolating for a while, but we haven't talked about, and that's the story about Tara Reid's assault and harassment allegations against uh, former Vice President and current uh, apparent Democratic nominee for President Joe Biden. Um, So we've had a lot of listeners reach out to us and point out that we haven't brought it up. And before we start talking about it, I want to kind of explain my reasoning for not wanting to bring it up. And then Alyssa, you can kind of talk about yours because it's not just that, it's not that I only believe, I think the simple baby Way to accuse people of somebody is to say that you only believe accusations that are against people who aren't your guy. But that's not the case. Well, uh, one of the primary lessons that I learned from Me Too and that moment in media is that it is really important to take women's accusations seriously, but it is also super important that people follow up on those accusations with a rigorous journalistic process that looks for the truth. And one thing that was lacking early in the story was there wasn't a ton of trustworthy reporting on it beyond something that had been said on a podcast that is a pretty partisan podcast in favor of the candidate running against Joe Biden. So the story was out there and I didn't really want to weigh in on whether or not I felt like it was true or not until there was some reporting on it. So a couple weeks ago, the New York times did some reporting on it and the New York times reporting made it about clear as mud because there was a whole bunch of parts of the story that felt like they hadn't quite been backed up. There were a lot of holes in it. Um, and some of the story didn't quite make sense. The fact that she had been a Putin sympathizer kind of raised some red flags. And so there was enough there that I wasn't quite, I didn't know what to think given the information that I had. But this week there was a story that came out and uh, this reporting found that a neighbor of Tara Reid's, at a few years after the alleged assault happened in 1993 confided, was confided in. So she says that Tara Reid told her in the nineties that this had happened. So it kind of ratcheted the story up to something that I think I think, deserves more discussion. Like, it is pretty obvious that Tara Reid felt in the early 90s that she was uncomfortable working for Joe Biden. She felt that she complained about it and that she was retaliated against. And she told other people at the time that she felt that those things had happened. And in addition now, she says that she was sexually assaulted by Joe Biden and she told people at the time That it had happened. So, this to me elevates it to a point where there's a lot of reporting around it and we need to discuss it. So, that's my thought process to not doing it until now. Alyssa, I wonder what your thoughts are.
0: Well, I mean, you and I discussed this uh, for weeks because we had a lot of the same concerns. And also, just even going back further in time, you know, the first time we heard um, her allegations was like a year ago, I think. And she had accused him of touching her inappropriately, like on her shoulders. And I think the like her head and, you know, that rang true. A lot of women had said that they felt that his, even if in his mind, he was expressing sympathy or empathy or trying to comfort someone that they found that level of intimate touch Uh, off-putting, uncomfortable, and defensive. And, you know, that's kind of where the story, and and I think that at the time he did sort of a, you know, his, his, I guess, best um, uh, self-defense for that um, behavior, that that's what people come to him for. And so not that that's acceptable. If people don't want you to touch them, you don't touch them, it's fucking wrong. But um, that's where the story started. And then when it came back, um, the New York Times, like you said, you know, the New York Times story had some holes in it. The Washington Post had talked about that when they reached out to her brother, I think it was, that he basically corroborated the uncomfortable touching, but not the sort of assault part that she had recently come out with. And yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the story, the Business Insider story that came out this week has parts that we have not heard, which I think shows that one way or another, they're still reporting an investigation that should continue on this um, because, well, one, I mean, just to be totally frank, because I would never want to lie to our listeners, I mean, I had an office next to Joe Biden for like five years uh, in the White House. And uh, he was someone who was always very supportive and empathetic. That doesn't mean that these things couldn't be true. But I think that for someone who had given me so many benefits of the doubt when I was like a young person who didn't have what was considered um, historically appropriate experience Mm -hmm. for the job I had, that I didn't want to rush to judgment. And so I think that the investigation that's continued is clearly very worthwhile. There's still more stuff coming out. Um, And yeah, and so that's why we decided to talk about it this week. But I mean, I'd be lying if I said I knew the right thing to say or that my feelings were totally clear and straightforward. Um, But yeah,
1: that's where we are. Mm -hmm. And I think you raise an important point about how people tend to be more willing to believe accusations that confirm their pre-existing beliefs and less likely to believe accusations that counter their pre-existing beliefs. Now, we have plenty of reasons to cite Joe Biden for having some problematic interactions with women in the past. Like the Anita Hill thing is still something that I have a hard time with when it comes to him. Um, And his kind of history of being a little overly touchy with women who were uncomfortable by that touch, that those things are fully problematic. And I think that one thing that I'm seeing right now is a lot of people who are saying, well... When Brett Kavanaugh had accusations leveled against him, liberal women were so willing to believe it, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just want to differentiate between this and Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh, like we've discussed, Alyssa, was up for a lifetime appointment. And the issue was these accusations were out there and the Senate was doing everything it could to not investigate them. So there was no way for us to get to the truth before the man was given a job that would last for the rest of his life and have influence over Everybody. So, you know, I think that it's it's not really fair or honest to say that this is the same thing, that right. somebody being a little bit more cautious about trying to digest information, reliable information about Joe Biden as it comes in is somehow con- counter to um, people really wanting Christine Blasey Ford to be heard when she came forward with accusations against Brett Kavanaugh.
0: Right. And, you know, one of the other things, too, Aaron, to that same sort of further that point is that Christine Blasey Ford came forward, was like, I will testify in front of Congress because that's how fucking serious I believe what happened to me was. The Republicans tried to short circuit it to the point that the actual investigation they did was a fucking fraud.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that this has kind of made me. Think about the way that I approach serious accusations against men who I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, they seem like the type of person that would do this. I mean, so like Joe Biden, this is like the first accusation of sexual assault against him. Yeah. Um, And so it takes it's kind of taking a lot to bring me to the point where I'm like, okay. This is part of my the reality that I have to digest with Joe Biden now. Whereas like somebody like Bill Cosby or Donald Trump, who have a pattern, an established pattern of dozens of people, that to me is like a little bit easier to believe. Not that you take dozens of people. No, not that it right. should take dozens of people, but I think that it is a serious accusation to accuse um, a man of sexual assault, especially when there's a lot at stake. And like I said before, I think that those accusations should always be taken seriously. They should always be looked into and they should always, people should always try to verify them as best they can. I, I really hate the whole like, have seen some like Republican grumbling on Twitter about how like Democratic women don't care if their guys are accused of sexual assault, blah, 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 blah. And I really think that it's important for people who consume news or have conversations with Republicans to dismiss bad faith actors who are only pretending to care about sexual assault when they can use it as a gotcha to their political opponents. Because honestly, their opinion doesn't matter. It could not matter less. There is a thread that um, Tarana Burke, yes. who um, is the originator of Me Too, um, she tweeted on the 28th, uh, a 14 tweet thread which I would encourage everybody to look up. We can link to it in the show notes. But among what she said was survivors deserve more than being used as a political football by disinterested parties and a culture of acknowledging harm can't exist. If we continue to view sexual violence as a catastrophic outlier rather than an embedded toxic element in our culture, I think her take is really, really
0: smart Um, but yeah, so. And one of the other things, Erin, that she says in that thread that I think has a lot of value is that she said that this could be the time for someone to understand and show how you can be both accountable and electable. Um, and that having Joe Biden, these are my words, not hers, that having Joe Biden be electable doesn't mean For us to believe that he's electable doesn't mean that we say Tara Reid's not telling the truth, right, or that there Mm -hmm. isn't some truth to that. And so one of the things, you know, we always talk about people doing the work, um, regardless, however— And I hope the investigation continues. I know in Biden's talking points, they've said they welcome the continuation of an investigation um, because they believe it will prove that he didn't do it. And Reid thinks that it will prove that he did do it. But regardless, I think it wouldn't be a terrible time for um, Biden to talk to people who have really done the work on this and understand in a more complex and nuanced way what all this means to a lot of people You know, whether like regardless of whether he did or didn't do it, this is a discussion right now. And so it would be great if he if they did reach out to people like Tarana and others who have worked so hard on this to to sort of do a little more work on their part to understand how hurtful and hard this is for so many people.
1: Yeah. Um, And now let's go into uh, the I guess the, the the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Why this fucking sucks. Uh, This fucking sucks. This sucks. Sucks. At this, I, okay, so here's where we are right now. Like, I am not going to vote for Donald Trump, but I also now have a choice between somebody who I think is, uh, if he were a character in a TV show, he would be like, he's like a cartoonishly evil Mobster, cruel piece he's he's human garbage trying to institute a family kleptocracy <laughs> in the country that i that I love enough to want to to make better. Um but now I the person that I will have to support so that this person doesn't get reelected is somebody who I am not a hundred percent sure didn't commit sexual assault. Like, I have reasonable, you know, like, I am not 100% sure that what Tara Reid said happened by the letter, but I am also not 100% sure that it didn't happen. Right. So, like, what am I supposed, like, women are such an important part of the Democratic vote, and we had such good female candidates for president to choose from. And we chose this. So what are women supposed to do right now?
0: I mean, I don't even know. (laughs) Like, like, that's the problem. I mean, I think it's no secret to people who listen to us every week that like, we really fucking love EW. (laughs) Like, she's Elizabeth Warren, really fucking brought her A game. And uh, God knows this would not be a discussion if she uh, were the nominee. But I... (sighs) I mean look it's it's like before we got we were talking earlier you know, before I, I was getting ready for the show today, I see Jared Kushner on television talking about how like the medical part of this pandemic is over and how now it's to the economy. And like we just know we've vividly this isn't like 2016 where you're like Donald Trump's going to be terrible, but maybe he'll rise to the occasion. We know that that is utterly fucking impossible. And that when handed one of the only real challenges of his um, presidency a pandemic that they got a heads up on months earlier and they still couldn't fucking get it together to save tens of thousands of people's lives. Like we know exactly what the next four years would bring if he were reelected. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, yes, of course I am voting for him. Of of course I am. Um, That doesn't mean, though, that it's not that there aren't flaws here.
1: Yeah, and it also really sucks for the female politicians, like rising voices in the Democratic Party. Actually, you know what? I wish we could just call female politicians Politicians and yeah. <laughs> ma- and men, male politicians. Um, it's going to be part of our hysteria. But you know what, guy. though?
0: You know what, Aaron? The reason that it's so fucked up is because reporters are not calling male politicians to ask them how they feel about this. Because I'd actually love to know how a male senator or politician feels about this. Instead, mm-hmm. everyone's hunting down Kirsten Gillibrand and Amy Klobuchar and Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren and Stacey Abrams. And, um, you know, and it's not fair. It's like it's it's just it It continues to be not fucking fair.
1: Yeah. And, you know, especially with like the number of rising stars in the Democratic, like the future of the Democratic Party is female. Like as if 2018 taught us anything, it's that the future of the Democratic Party voting base is female. The future of the Democratic uh, representation in Congress and hopefully in the white house at some point is female. And now some of the work that these women are going to have to do is once again, cleaning up after men. And you brought up the Biden talking points earlier. And I, the talking points are basically that the campaign sent to surrogates is to say that Tara Reid's story didn't happen. And look, I am not a surrogate for any campaign. But if I were given that talking point as a woman and as a feminist, I would just be like, I can't say this. I can't do this. Like that is such a, you know, old timey medieval burn the witch style
0: response to something that should be taken seriously. Well, and you know, what's uh, also interesting having read that earlier this morning, it sounds as if these talking points that said uh, surrogates should say it didn't happen went out about two weeks ago, give or take. And, uh, I think it was yesterday that Stacey Abrams, who through lots of reporting and interviews she's given is clearly very into the idea of being vice president. And she very clearly answered the statement and was like, yeah, I think there should be an investigation. Yeah. And so I, you know, knowing that she, I don't, we don't know whether she saw those talking points, but, you know, I appreciate that she, you know, continues to be true to herself and what she thinks. And like, she's not someone who will ever toe the line. And, and I'm, it was good to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, right. So wh- where do you stand right now with this story? Like, wh- how do you, I mean, I know we've, we've talked about the fact that this, this sucks. Like what more do we need to know to feel confident that what Tara Reed says happened definitely happened and what do we need to see from a, can- like what, what, what a disaster, first of all, but what do we, what do we need to see happen in order for this to feel like it's been like, you know, rectified Put to what, bed
0: what,
1: yeah. And what <laughs> no. needs to happen, what needs to happen for us to not have to hold our noses in order to vote for a candidate who in other ways has some really good stuff going on as much as I wasn't like a Biden stand during the primary I think his he's got a lot of good stuff going on and now there's there's this
0: here is my look when he was during the primary he very much was just running totally down the middle right moderate and the closer that it got towards you know Toward mathematically him being the nominee, he was adopting some of Warren's platforms and some of Bernie's uh, plans. And I was very heartened by that. I thought that was um, terrific to see that he was open-minded and understood that he was going to be representing the whole party and not just this sort of sliver that he was running for in the primary. And so I think going forward, you know, Aaron, I'm just not sure that anybody really ever missed the mark by being open-minded and listening. And I think that, you know, just from the perspective, I think that there needs to be further investigation into what happened. And I think that if the Biden people were saying that in earlier talking points, then they would agree with me that people want the resolution. Tara wants the resolution. The Biden campaign wants the resolution. Um, But I think that, You know, one of the things that's always been hard for me is that when my whole wind up here is that is that Biden, to a certain extent over the past couple of months, has shown that he's like not stuck in his ways, I guess, which was something that's concerned me because it seems as if something that would make Anita Hill's life so much better uh, is if she could just get the apology she feels she deserves and is deserving of. And like that's never happened. And so that concerns me, you know, it's like, why can't you just say sorry? It was a different time. You treated her unfairly. Why can't you just say, I mean, I've apologized. I apologize to someone in sixth grade. I did something wrong to when I was a fucking grown ass adult. Like, it's not actually that hard to grow. And so I think that, An investigation will probably take a long time, but I just do think that right now for so many survivors out there who feel really just fucking confused and and like this whole thing over the the the. acceptance of the idea that women have the right to tell their story, you know, to them feels a bit maybe like garbage right now. And so to me, it would just go a long way while this is further investigated for the vice president and his campaign to do like some meaningful outreach to people who might be feeling really burned right now, but also who's not just whose vote they need. But I mean, well, yeah, I mean, if you want to be crass about it, it's like, it's like I think so many of us would feel better knowing that there never may be a tr- true and final resolution to the story if we thought that they were taking what this story means to people really seriously, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I know that was very roundabout way of getting to what my point was. but
1: No, I think I think that makes perfect sense. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there will be more about this. I mean, if there's not more about this, then we're just going to be stuck in this weird limbo for a long time and i and i'm just gonna have to it's a new thing to feel anxious about which is great because i was running out of things yeah me too getting to feel anxiety about so fuck man <laughs> oh god um do we want to end on a high note do you have any toasts <laughs>
0: yeah, i do have a toast do you have a toast no i want you to go first my toast is silly I think everyone Uh, on Asteria knows of my uh, deep love for Little House on the Prairie. And last week when I was on Twitter, I saw Melissa Gilbert Busfield, a.k.a. Halfpint, uh, hate tweeting Donald Trump. And it's like, you know, when you always like you have your idols and you're like, God, I hope that they don't do something that makes me think that they're not as awesome as I thought they were. And when she hate tweeted Trump, I was like, I can die now. Like Half Pint <laughs> hates Trump and thinks this Lysol shit is fucking nuts. And honestly, it just uh, I was not feeling my best when I was watching all this go down. I just had a nice chuckle in my fleece. You know, I was like, fucking A, way, way to go. Half Pint. <laughs>
1: that's how I felt when Axl Rose tweeted a picture of his ballot and wrote vote blue bitches oh my god I didn't know that yeah there's like this whole group of like 80s hair metal guys who are who are now like fuck the fuck Donald it's really funny Sebastian Bach I think oh my god you know
0: that I love like 80s hair metal
1: uh, I could have guessed, but I didn't know. Yeah, I did. I do. I love Guns N' Roses. Well, g There's a, there's a, if you want to go on a fun Google dive, um, there's like a bunch of those guys from that era who are just like, they just cannot stand Donald Trump. And it's, it's pretty <laughs> amusing. A lot of them tweet about it. T- Tommy Lee hates Donald Trump too. Um, I have like a miniature toast. Um, I just wanted to toast the Pentagon for finally giving America the truth. Yes. Uh, th- This week, the Pentagon has has officially released three short videos showing unidentified aerial phenomenon. UFOs are real, guys. UFOs are real. And the Pentagon's statement was, After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, so into. They're it. really, they're really trippy. If you look at the videos, it's like exactly like an unsolved mysteries dramatization. And I am so glad that we're not alone in the universe because maybe uh the aliens can come and give us a vaccine for COVID and we can get back to normal.
0: <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that they'd be around more than they had been. It's like America is in the hands. I mean, look in every in every uh big, you know, popcorn blockbuster movie, America Saves the Planet, and they know that's an utter farce right now. <laughs> and so maybe they're like, yeah. you know, doing a little advance work.
1: I'm trying to think. It would be, if any country saved the planet right now, it would be, and
0: you know what? I think it would be Germany. Yeah, it would be Angela Merkel or it any probably be- of the other countries led by women that flattened the curve. Yeah, it would be
1: Germany or like Finland, New Iceland. Zealand. New Zealand. Oh, it might be New Zealand. Mm-hmm. New Zealand. I think it'd be New Zealand. That Jacinda Ahern. She just can't help herself. You know, she rode her bike to parliament when she was still like super pregnant. She would
0: like ride. There is She's nothing crazy. about that woman I don't love. It's like, oh, mass shooting. I'm taking your fucking guns. Bye, bitches. Yeah, she was great. Um, I want to say
1: one more thing about the UFOs, because they are extremely exactly what you would think. Um Somebody who worked on the program said, these aircraft, we'll call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within yes. the U.S. inventory, nor in any foreign inventory that we are aware of. So Guys, this,
0: so when we were talking about this the other day, uh, my husband was Harry Reid's chief of staff for six years. And Reid has constantly pushed to fund this program. And it was just like one of those things, Aaron. I was like, come on. Aaron and I might talk about this. Give me some goss. And he's like, what do you need to know? They're aliens. I was like, what is it true? And he and he was like, you have to call Senator Reed. And I was like, God damn it. But I just believe that oh. they're, and they're all aliens or women. So there you go.
1: Awesome. That sounds great. I'm reading an Ursula K. Le Guin book right now involving gender and space. And so this all really dovetails well with my <laughs> current life. Um, Alyssa, thank you for sticking with me for this tough convo. Ugh. And um, I am looking forward to talking about something else next week.
0: Let's hope there are more aliens. I hope there. I
1: want to meet them. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> we'll have them on right. Hysteria. Oh, my God. We would. Yes. Aliens, if you're listening, please, please. guest on Hysteria on Sanity Corner. We want to know what it's like in space when you're starting to feel stressed out. OK. <laughs> All
0: right. <goodbye.
1: laughs> Bye. Bye. And welcome back. We've reached the Brady Bunch part of the program where there are three people talking in squares to each other instead of just two. I want to welcome the two wonderful women that I'm really glad to see both of your faces, even though we haven't been in the same room for quite some time. Um, First, I want to bring in an actor and a writer on the show Broke, which is currently airing, right? cbs thursday night <laughs> grace it's grace para <laughs> hi guys it's so good Hello. so good to see you
2: it's so good to see you it's really it's wonderful
1: mm. it's yeah it is everything's wonderful uh <laughs> everything's ne- just peachy <laughs> <laughs> good. Next, next up she's an actor and a writer and she's uh, in the new ben, ben Affleck movie, which is now streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Are, they,
3: are, are they streaming it? Oh, yeah. they just It was in theaters for a hot sec and then the virus and now streaming.
1: There's still posters <laughs> around that are like one last chance and it's like Ben Affleck and it has the date March 6th. And I'm like, oh, Michaela's oh. <laughs> movie.
3: It's Michaela Watkins. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Hi. No, the movie's called The Way Back. The Way Back. Yeah. Is I've heard it's good. I've heard it's really good. He's amazing in it. He's amazing and it in it.
2: Also features Al Madrigal, who is uh, another writer and actor on Broke. What and
3: he's terrific. He's outstanding yeah. in it. I love when they take comedic people on and give them serious parts. It's Nice. Yeah, I like it.
1: Comedy is just acting like you're not in pain, right? So I would imagine being. (laughs)
3: Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that tracks.
1: (laughs) Just masking the pain with some like wit, so (sighs) it makes sense that some comedic comedic actors are really really gifted dramatically as well.
3: Oh yeah, I know all comedy is is just you know fourteen layers of icing on the cake. Yeah. Defense mechanism. The cake's still there. The The shit cake's still there. The shit cake is still there. Exactly. (laughs) So for many, it's a layered, multi-layered shit cake. (laughs) Um, So one
1: thing I've been seeing a lot in um, the last few weeks are people kind of jokingly talking about all of the like, personal care things that they can't do Mm -hmm. now that, uh, quarantine is happening or that there's no reason to do Mm -hmm. like, like put on pants, you know, like if you're not leaving your house, do you need to put on pants with a, with a button, you know, Mm -hmm. other, other things like get a haircut, dye your roots, get Botox, all these things. Um, what personal care, I guess, routines that you used to have, have you abandoned during quarantine?
2: There's one thing that I'm proud of that I've done in the last week, and it is actually um, bringing back a routine that I had given up. I assumed that my gray roots would be gray for forever. Uh, And then I ordered a kit online and I dyed my hair myself and it was triumphant and I didn't get the shade right at all. I mean, I'm like... (laughs) Four four shades off. It's this weird light brown. You can't really tell, but uh, but it's not great. And I so I'm really proud of myself. I had to do something because my hair, I think, had grown two inches. I am uh, lucky got a full full mane, uh, thick and unruly. Um, but my god, did it need to be colored? So that's a routine that I picked back up. Um, but I don't like pants. And now that it's you know uh, 97 degrees in LA these days, I'm wearing a lot of. Uh, skirts, shorts, a lot of shorts, love a denim short, Mm -hmm. love a denim short. Nice. Uh, yeah.
1: Michaela, have you abandoned any typical like self-care?
3: Everything, every single thing Mm -hmm. that pertains to like aesthetic self-care is, has gone south is for the winter. It is like, Mm I, 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 What? Here's a fun thing. I thought I had so much more gray hair than I do. So there's, that's the upshot. Um, I was the
2: opposite. I have so much more than I thought I had.
3: I mean, maybe coronavirus gave you more grit, you know, gave it because, you know, it's a lot of stress, but
2: wedding planning during a quarantine gave it to me. Yeah.
3: But you know, you go, you go to work every day where you sit 90 minutes in a makeup chair and somebody's like, (laughs) oh, it's time to do those roots. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Really? Because if I wasn't on a TV show, I would, uh, do this like once every six weeks, I think, you know? And, yeah. and so now that it's coming in, I'm like, what does everybody got their panties in a Twitch for? I mean, it's fine. It's like, yeah, it's great. I mean, there's grades, you know, but it's like, yeah. it's not called, called, called a midwife. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I don't wear bras anymore and, uh, I don't wear, wa- I don't either. I don't either. No bras and no waistbands. Uh, there's anything that ha- cinches around my middle, you know, I, yeah. I used to wear spanks every day at work, sometimes two pairs. Oh. No, I'm not even kidding. Oh. Not two. A, a double spanker. And I <laughs> I am now I am now waistband free. I don't know how I'll ever jump in a pair of those. I don't know how I'll ever wear a heel again. Um there's some there's some hair on the legs. I do I'm I'm very like the armpits is not is a that You got to shave the pits, you know, that's, that's not up for negotiation, but I really, I always find it admirable when women don't, because it's like, I wish
1: that I was that type of woman and I'm just not that type of woman. So yeah. I mean, i
3: I know what you're saying. I hate being able to to smell my to smell myself. I know a yoga instructor who who dyes her armpit hair like neon blue and stuff. And what? so well, she's got you know this yoga body and then like neon blue armpit hair, and and I and I can't square the two for some reason. <laughs> I can't
0: get. am like, oh, I can't get with
3: that. I mean, if I had that sinewy, you know, physique, I I think I'd keep the the. I, I mean, I don't know. Keep them. Keep them. Yeah. I don't know if I could celebrate the armpit hair that loud and proud. But anyway,
2: (laughs) I I recently took up um, clinical strength deodorant, ordered it online. It was available. And I was like, what if I did this? And love it. Game changer. Didn't know I needed it. What does that mean? Clinical strength. Uh, More aluminum. I don't know. Oh, more (laughs) Alzheimer's. I have (laughs) a drawer full of
3: you know honest products or whatever like uh natural things, yeah, and yeah. I, I, when it comes to antiperspirant like i wear I wear the kind that was built in the lab and and because of coronavirus and because I just had a move, i uh found them, and I've been using them because if not now, when is what I <laughs> tell myself, <laughs> yeah, that's um, true.
1: There is a part of me that thinks so. So I think everybody's kind of given up on some stuff. I mean, everybody's baking bread, right? I mean, I'm not baking bread, but everybody else seems to be b- baking bread. Yeah. Somebody's eating the bread. I'd imagine people's physiques are changing commensurately to how much bread suddenly everybody is both baking and eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. People aren't dyeing their hair, or they're dyeing it a, a color that is triumphantly off, as Grace <laughs> as Grace Parra did. Um, people aren't doing like, they're not getting, I don't know, this is LA. So people are, you know, people get facials, people get, you know, injectables in their face. There's a part of me that thinks like, could we all after this just make a pact to continue
3: to look like this? Oh my God, please, please. I I hope so. I hope it, because something went so awry back in the like 90s, I think, because we were on such a good trajectory when we were wearing your boyfriend's jeans, literally. they weren't called the boyfriend jean. Yeah. they were your boyfriend's <laughs> jeans. They slouched around your whole body, you wore a white t-shirt, you tied a flannel around your waist and that was mm-hmm. your uniform and you know high top converse and that was it and I was like, This is fantastic compared to what my mom had to wear in the 50s, like, you know, armored bra and things like that.
2: I think that we have to start recruiting people like Gigi Hadid, who is pregnant from what I understand, because I don't think she's going to want to wear like skin tight things right now either. So, you know, I don't know, by the way, that she's officially pregnant. I just read a headline yesterday, (laughs) but I think it's interesting because if we can start to get people like the supermodels who I think would be more inclined to show off those bodies into our camp of never wearing bras or you know anything other than sweatpants again that that would be that's the start of a movement Mm -hmm. yeah
3: I want us by the end of this to just be floppy titted beanbag chairs and Birkenstocks that would to me would be the the (laughs) post-corona lady look I would be so happy with that
1: yeah what if we just what if this is just how we look now what if that's okay like I was I was also reading like um did you guys see there's a news story this week about a mayor in a Texas town who uh made all the nail salons close except she made one open so that she could get a manicure for herself yeah (laughs) this has made me think (laughs) I'm I'm never I know it was just she also is like the exact like close your eyes and think of what somebody would call a Karen or a minute. Can I speak to the manager? Kind of a lady. And that's
3: her. She's a Karen Um, DeVille. uh, Do you see
1: see what, what I'm doing? (laughs) Uh, But it it, it made me think painting, you know what? I don't know if I'm ever going to get a professional manicure again. It's not that hard to paint your fingernails. I can do that myself.
3: Even if they look a little crappy, I can do that myself. That's like kind of what I mean about in the nineties when we were all, nobody did their nails, like nobody plucked their eyebrows. Nobody. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe it was friends or something happened. Oh, I I was like network television got this filter and they were able to just Mm. turn it up and everybody all of a sudden looked like Disney princesses. And then reality television came out. So they wanted to mimic like they pulled, you know, women out of Albuquerque who are now going to be on TV. And they were like, I want to look like a movie star, you know, with the filter. And so then everybody just started making their faces and dressing like you know, like, kind of like a cross between prom queen, porn star kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. yeah. reality television with like, you know, like I said, The Bachelor and Real Housewives. And then that was it. And then everybody thought, oh, this is how we should walk around in our lives. Is- yeah. The acceleration of like glistening and glowing on skin
1: and the products that we were using to artificially make that happen. Mm-hmm was it was accelerating so quickly that there was really nowhere else for that to go like there were no more divots to contour there were no more things to apply highlighter to and I think this gave us a little pause to be like wait a second we didn't have to do we didn't have to do any of that
2: Yeah. And if we want to do those things, there are Instagram filters that can do it for us. Speaking of filters, Michaela. Mm -hmm. So can we maybe just make a pact where we all look like shit, but know that we can turn on an app that will just make us look better, even though we don't. I think Zoom
3: even has like a touch up. Did you know that I read about that. No, it's in your thing. Like you can, I can't see a difference. Speaking of Instagram, Grace, this is kind of shattered
1: some illusions of like Instagram from before, like one of my favorite things, like, there's not that many people who actually have houses that look nice. Most people just have yeah. these sweet, regular houses. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with the shattering of the Instagram aesthetic, of the millennial aesthetic, because it's nowhere. The only places it exists is on your phone mm-hmm. and an app designed partially to make you feel bad and like you need to buy things. Mm-hmm.
2: Did you see any of the NFL draft this last week?
1: Oh, I did. I did. And the shittiness of the houses of
2: team executives. Oh, Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I love it. There was just drapes everywhere. Throw pillows. Throw pillows like bad throw pillows. Like... Yes. It was all home goods. And I loved it. It made me feel warm and fuzzy, comfortable inside. And I agree, I couldn't agree more, Erin. It's so nice to have that just totally dismantled. Yeah. It's you know? just like
1: the illusions of everything are shattered. And you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even say anybody looks like shit when I go out into the world, walk no. around my neighborhood. Um, I mean, people's faces are covered with masks mostly, but if I go to a park where <laughs> like people are social distancing enough that they, that masks aren't necessary. Um, I nobody looks like shit to me. Everybody looks fine.
3: No, we look, we look fine. In fact, we probably look better because Uh we're giving our face a break. Our face is like not getting heat, you know, all these chemicals and all this attention, all all these hands heaped onto it constantly. It can breathe. We're just like a big dove ad. Do you think after this though, that people are going to, we're like a big dove ad?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm going to go on a little rant here, but the thing that always bugged me about the dove ads was like the point of it was like, it was, they'd show women of all different shapes and sizes and colors. And, and like the point of the ad was like, they would cry because they were like, I am beautiful, but like, does being beautiful need to be a thing that prevent, like worrying about whether or not you're beautiful need to be a thing at all. Like, wouldn't that be nice if like beauty was like a third level quality that you strived to have that ain't gonna sell your dove products that's true (laughs) that's true
2: unless they were crying about how happy they were that they were so clean (laughs) right cleanliness is way more important than beauty cleanliness i think if they did do one and they're like
3: cancer chemical free Oh, and it's just a bunch of women getting, you know, clean bills of health from their doctors.
1: I bet they'd be, I bet they'd be It's like a, it's like a reality TV commercial that's sort of long form. And it's like, we put these 12 women, we didn't tell them when we were, where we were taking them. We put them in the middle of the woods with no change of clothes, barely enough food and drink to live. And 10 days later we came and picked them up and we let them take a shower with Dove. <laughs>
3: And the women are like, oh, a shower. I'm (laughs) I'm so crazy, Naked and afraid. I feel naked. Sponsored by Dove.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Do you think after this is all all over, which it might never be all over, um, but after we've kind of gotten back to a, a place of normalcy, what do you think... People will change. Do you think people will rush back to like wanting to be glam again and like eyelash extensions and spray tans? Or do you think people will stick with what they've done when they've been stuck at home?
2: I think people are going to run back to that shit. Uh, I think for a week, everyone's going to be like, I'm different now. This quarantine changed me and I don't need the same kinds of things that I needed before. And then, you know, there's going to be like a, hey, do you want to get your eyelash extensions done for 12 <laughs> cents? Come on in. And then somebody will be like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that shit. No problem. And then we're right back to where we were. All it takes is one person. It just takes one woman to be back on that bandwagon. And then everybody else looks like shit in comparison. So we all feel like we got to compete. I, I It's just an feel inversion like that's
3: in of wally it's like where one person went jumping in the pool and everybody was like there's a pool it's gonna yeah. you know it's, <laughs> it's everybody being like oh yeah we can look better than this we, we can look better than this yeah. um i i think yeah. people are also gonna not have money to spend on these things and mm-hmm. uh have learned how to you know uh do their own toenails and fingernails and um, I personally like how my eyebrows have grown back in. Um, there, I've I've been wanting that. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about eyebrows. If you over plucked, they don't just grow back in where you want it, and then you just pluck around it. You they actually have to start on the outer edges, and you have to let the outer edges grow so that it can fill in. So like. Yeah, I so you know got to go full bush on on the eyebrows oh. before you can start to take them down again. But because you know, again, if you work on a set, everybody's like, "You have a errant eyebrow," you know, and they and it gets plucked, and so and they've been thin, and now they're coming in very full. Um, that's another way
1: in. the 90s were fucked up the 90s yep. were super fucked up to women yeah. yep. uh, a lot of casual misogyny in 90s mm-hmm. movies and 90s tv shows
3: um, preach but yes uh, what I they mean, made us what they made us do to our eyebrows is it's unconscionable it's casual violence to women that was i i think is the headline of the 80s and 90s yeah
2: i i i appreciate and i think it's very funny that like in in Latin American culture and chola culture that like Latin American, we have very bushy eyebrows, like real, real, real thick. And yet we just embrace that whole, like, I'm going to shave all of it off and pencil it in (laughs) with one thin line above both Mm -hmm. of my eyes. And like, man, the commitment to that movement was Mm -hmm. impressive, very impressive. Uh, But also not.
3: I mean, you want to talk about, uh, carbon footprint. I was flying from Vancouver to LA and the woman sitting next to me, uh, was flying from Vancouver to LA and we got chit chatting. And, uh, she said she was flying to LA to get microblading on her eyebrows. And I I was like, that's all you're doing. She's like, yeah, I have an appointment because our flight was delayed. We were sitting on the tarmac and she said, um, I have to make this appointment. And then she was like on a 3 p.m. flight back to vancouver (laughs) microblading on her eyebrows
2: oh my god
3: i I just was Uh, i i I just i I mean she was a beautiful woman i but i just was like really you can't find someone in vancouver what i can't what that seems like so was that pre-pandemic times oh of course Yeah,
1: I was going to say all of that seems so passe now, like flying to Los Angeles to get one single medical procedure that is elective. Yep.
3: Flying back the same day.
2: Also microblading. No offense to those who have gotten it done. I think it works for some people, but I don't think it works for everybody. I think that it is tattooing your face is what it is. And it's it it fades in an orangey way it fades orangey. And then you got to, you just, up-
1: no, one talks just about dye your up hair up-y. orange, Grace. Gosh, easy.
2: <laughs> Maybe that's the move.
1: <laughs> so like beyond just like self-care stuff and like the expression of womanhood. Um, I was thinking yesterday about other things that will probably go away forever after this. And some of them I'm, I'm hoping will go away forever. Um,
3: what do you guys think about cruises? Do you think cruises <laughs> will ever happen again? I mean, look, I don't even understand why anybody would take a cruise in the first place, pandemic or no pandemic. That to me is my personal hell. I agree. Like, hey, does anything bad happen on a cruise? Let me just Google out real fast. Oh, (laughs) everything terrible happens on cruises. And if you want to be on a big, terrible hotel in the middle of an ocean, I, I get that. It sounds amazing. It's, it's, I mean, nonstop, all you can eat buffet drinking. If you hope you better fricking love your family. And I think this pandemic is going to prove if you do or not, but it just sounds like my personal <laughs> health. It just sounds like here, go into a, 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 a hotel that you can't leave. It just sounds horrible.
2: Yeah. They're Petri dishes. And I can't imagine how you modify a cruise in a way that's that like, will like, Still be appealing to people, the buffet, namely. I mean, I'm thinking about how, like, I'm reading these articles about how Hollywood is talking about what's going to happen when we come back and we're able to be on set and we're able to, uh, you know, actually like film TV shows and films, whatever. And everybody's talking about how crafty craft services is just going to go away. The idea of being able to, you know, be like 100 people in a tiny room grabbing nuts from, you know, a communal space, whatever, is gone. But the same thing is applicable to cruises too. Like, we're not just going to be able to have beef and broccoli sitting out for. Eight hours and have people randomly come shove it in their faces when they feel like it. You know, we're all going to have to have individual containers of food, which is much less romantic, I think. And you know, fine for a work scenario, but I think if you're electing to be on a cruise, like the buffet is kind of the appeal. Casinos too, by the way. I love a casino. I will say, I love, I love a, a casino. casino buffet. I love a casino. I love. A, I love. And the casino experience in general is funny to me. It sounds fun. I, I could not believe the Las Vegas mayor, by the way, I saw that interview like a week ago where she was like, open the casinos and Anderson Cooper's like, but how? And she's like, I don't know. Anderson, I'm not the one who owns casinos, so don't put words on that. Right oh, now. I love it. And
3: then she said, I don't gamble. Uh, entertaining. <laughs> but then she was like, it's not, you know, it's not my problem. I don't own the casinos. I'm like, "Did you do know you're the mayor. I just feel like somebody was sitting in her house with like a gun to her children's head and she was just like, open the casinos. It sounds great. I love it. What a great <laughs> idea. Oh, that will be fun.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, the I don't gamble part was great. Yeah, the the cruise thing, I mean, people were already getting very sick on cruises with mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. deadly diarrhea. So, mm-hmm. like I yeah. don't it was kind of amazing to me that they kept surviving. I think one of the reasons people go on them is if you have people in your family, like if you're going to do like a multi-generational family trip and there's some grandparents and maybe some people have difficulty getting around, a cruise is really good because you're all trapped in the same place. Nobody can just like run away. (laughs) Um, but Uh it's, uh, I've been on a cruise before it was with, uh, an ex's family. They did not get along. So every meal ended with somebody's storming off uh it was a lot of a lot of lot of storming off um the weather was really bad we we went from new york and we were supposed to like dock of near disney world in florida and then have a day trip to disney world
3: this just sounds horrible
1: And then, and then we were supposed to go to the Bahamas for a couple days, but one of the engines broke in the ships. Classic. So we had to to cancel Disney World and there were all these kids on the trip (laughs) and there was a day where they were like, guys, Disney World's canceled. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like the most, like I was just, I mean, I felt really bad for the kids, but it was like, oh wow. And then the weather was really bad and. It was I'm surprised I didn't get sick. It's just so Yeah. They're not going to I and they also like waste they're so bad for the
3: environment. They're so like yeah. They're scourge. I don't know. They're scourge. They're bad I'm, for the environment. They're bad for the oceans. They're bad for the fish. They're bad for the people on them. They're bad. They're just bad. They're I'm, good for people who need to, who work on them
1: in some cases, yes. uh, like if you're an, an entertainer yeah. and you get a gig on a cruise, that can be kind of good, but really that little glimmer of good is not really worth all of, all of the bad. Um, one more question before we move on to sanity corner guys, uh, have you been keeping physically active? And if you have been, how have you been doing it?
2: I I have been trying. I I have been trying. Uh, it walks fine. That feels good. I try to do that every day. First thing in the morning, that feels good. That's the one like routine that I have that's like invigorating and gets me out in the world and you know smelling nature whatever. Uh Everything else has been terrible, though. Like, I can't consistently do yoga or whatever. I followed, like, the first week of quarantine, I was like, I'm going to take up doing dance classes online. I followed, like, six different Instagram dance influencers. I unfollowed them all this past week because I'm like, I don't do any <laughs> of this. I don't do any virtual classes. I, I'm not there on time. It feels weird to be, like, jumping around in my living room. And I, I don't know. It, it, it's not right. So I, my, my limbs are all atrophied, and uh, I am the banana, bread maker and eater that you were referencing earlier, Aaron, whose body is just like, "Uh, (laughs) fuck it. So that's me.
3: Um, I did, I've been doing intermittently Ryan Heffington's, you know, uh, Instagram, It's online dance thing. It's, it's a live dance class on Instagram. He does, he, he's a, he's a choreographer, you know, in town, if you don't know him and uh, he is just love and light and he is so, he, I just cry through the whole class. I just dance and sob and, um, and cause he does this thing at the end where he's, it, it's not even a dance class. Like you don't have to learn a routine. I mean, a box step or like, you know, a la right. like, that's about as much as, you know, dance moves as you're going to get. It's just like a free dance and you dance silly and you dance stupid and you dance like no one's watching, but there's 6,000 people doing it with you all over the world. And I just cry because mm-hmm. I feel so connected. And then the end he goes, we'll get through during a cool down. He's like, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. No. We'll get through this. We'll get, and I just like, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. I'm just like sobbing. Oh, that's he so is sweet. wonderful, but that's, um, and then I, we hike and walk our dog, you know, we're not in LA. So our hiking trails are open here and, uh, and, uh, that's been a, a real savior. Yeah. That sounds like you are about to
1: join a cult. I know. like this Ryan Huffington thing. <laughs> I hear a lot of people who are so inspired by him. Like, I know, you know what? The first part of a cult always sounds really fun. Oh yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. and <laughs> then you got it. Yeah, and then you got to move to a town in South America, and the next thing you know, you got like uh, yeah. congressional investigations and Kool Aid, and oh, I, I know. wish.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wish you the best. It all sounds very inspiring. Thank you so much, and we all like have Shepherd Fairy sort of styled pictures of Sia on our t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I've been working
1: out to the point of like muscle pain two or three times a week, like like not cardio, like weights and like pushups and stuff. Oh, that's but I, so smart. But I can do pushups the man way. Now I can do 25 of them in a row without,
2: Whoa! without wait, wait, hold on. I have before quarantine, how many were you able to do? How many like man pushups? Eight. That's a bit,
1: that's I'm huge. I'm angry. Congratulations. I'm, I'm yeah. angry and I'm trying to deal with it in a way that is, I mean, like I spend a lot of time like wanting to to break shit. And it's like, well, I guess I'll just do push-ups and uh <laughs> squats with a heavy weight and all that stuff. But um but yeah, working out has been been good. I'm glad that everybody's like at least trying to sort of take care of themselves. I always feel good when I see like people that I haven't yeah. seen
3: in a while and it's like, oh good, you look you look good you
1: look yeah.
2: what, what would you what <laughs> would you
3: do if we all like if we came to the to the zoom all out of what would how, how i'm just so curious just, what would you i don't
1: know what i would do i mean like you asked me on instagram the other day would you tell me if i was being obnoxious and i was like no but i'd probably screen cap and shit talk to
3: a third party <laughs> I think, I think if you're on Instagram, you're, you're sort of like, you have to open yourself up to that possibility. That's part of it. That's part of it. Um... Speaking of, I do, I do have a problem on Instagram with the amount of like, I, I think if you're making big, elaborate, luxurious dinners for yourself every night, that has to move to a private text chain with like your good friends. Yeah,
2: I because could not agree more. There I could are not agree more. there's some
3: legit suffering out there, and I I see it, and like my my asshole clenches because I'm just like, well, well <laughs> you know, good for you, bully for you, and your big dinner. <laughs>
2: Can I say that I I think most of, if not all of, Instagram live mm-hmm. content. Mm -hmm. should go away with the occasional dance class, which seems like Mm -hmm. it's very beneficial. That's cool. But a lot of people are like, I'm just going to Instagram live my entire day and I don't want to see it. I'm not here for it. I don't want to. I accidentally sometimes click on it and then click out, especially if I see that there are four other people watching. And I think that that option is available to other people to Instagram live their lives.
1: It's kind of just like watching a conference call that I'm not in. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, in some cases, it's like, oh, these people are interesting. I want to hear them talk. But sometimes it's just like, I don't know about this. Um, Okay, we got to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk Sanity Corner.
2: Guys, it's been a rough year.
1: Okay, guys, before we get to sanity corner, um, I am going to drop in a little plug for something we've been doing that has helped us stay sane throughout this strange pandemic time. It is Hysteria Movie Club, and that is where we rewatch a movie that is a classic or it's a movie that's been around for a long time. Um, And then we get together and talk about it. And here's how it works from your end you follow crooked media on Instagram and every week we'll let you know what movie we're watching. You can watch along with us. Um, and then we will talk about it and post our discussion on Sunday. So you can check it out on crooked's YouTube channel, and you can also find some links to it on Instagram as well, but it's a lot of fun. This week we did Heather's. Uh, we have a huge list of movies that we're going to talk about at some point in the future, like Greece dirty dancing, you know, movies that you watch when you're stuck at home, movies that we watch when we're stuck at home and movies that we love to talk about. So tune into that if that's something that you're interested in. And uh, now let's get to Sanity Corner. Sanity Corner,
3: Sanity Corner, what are you doing to stay sane? And
1: welcome back. We're at the part of the show where we share with you the things that we're doing to help us get through the weird times between the before times and the after times, which is how we're going to refer to this (laughs) as though we're like uh, the children (laughs) from the third Mad Max film, speaking in an Australian kind of pigeon English. Um, Okay, so I will start with Sanity Corner for this week. Um, I love a good Wikipedia dive. Um, but not, I don't, I don't end on the Wikipedia article. I try to like find something interesting, read the Wikipedia article, say, okay, I'm into this and then try to find like the longest article about the interesting thing I possibly can find. And this week I'm going to just, uh, give you a few that led me to some interesting reading and I'm not going to even tell you anything about them. Uh, one of them uh-huh. is a woman named Nancy Wake. I think you should Google Nancy Wake. Uh, another one is a totally different type of person named, uh, David Friedland. Um, another thing I Googled this week, the series finale of the show Dinosaurs. (gasps) Yeah. Love that show. I know. And it has one of the most bizarre series finales of all time. Bizarre Dark. and sad, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And there are really good Wikipedia lists of missing people who turned out to fake their death. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's Ooh, a really good one. Because that gives you a whole fun. bunch of like fake death people and it tells you all the dumb shenanigans that they tried to pull. Like there was this author. Um, who was sort of this eccentric who had written a book that had no punctuation in it, and he was just kind of weird. And he faked his death just because he wanted to see how sad people would be when he died. Oh my! God. And at his funeral, he saw that his wife wasn't sufficiently sad, so he divorced. He divorced her after he was like, "I'm alive, and we're getting a divorce because <laughs> she because she wasn't sad enough." Wow. Anyway,
3: wow. Good, good Wikipedia diving. That this week. sounds like an anthology series if I ever heard one. Yeah. It's, uh,
1: it's pretty funny. He sounds, he
3: sounds like a, a, quite a weird man. Um, Michaela, do you want to go next? Um, sanity corner. <laughs> well, my, my last few days have been utterly insane. And, um, I, I had to move. I had to move out of our LA rental. You know, um, when I worked there, I, I've been in that that house. My husband and I have been in that house for nine years. And right before the pandemic, the 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 owner said, "I'd like my son to move back in." So, um, so we, <gasps> he said in July, and then the pandemic happened a week later. <laughs> Literally, we were in lockdown a week later, and my I, my husband, just said well, we're not going to work anytime soon. Why don't we just get out and just be here where we, where we, where we live, live. And, uh, and so moving during a pandemic was the most insane making thing in the entire world, because there's nothing like three men with no sense of personal space, just huffing and puffing and putting their hands all over all of your (laughs) Belongings, and and right when I got there, I was like, "We're gonna stay this far apart from each other. We're gonna wear masks and gloves." And I appreciate you, and I love you, and I honor you, and I would I would make you a three course meal if there weren't a pandemic. Um, But because of this, you know, this is not personal. And then within seconds, these guys were like, gloves were off, masks were off. They're like, "Ma'am." where would you like this? <laughs> you can't see, but I'm sticking my face into the camera. Like they were just up in me. And you know how like people who have OCD have to confront their, their triggers. Like if you want to turn the light switch on and off 20 times, they, you can only turn it on once. And then you have to like stand back and sit with the horrible feeling of germs and everything all over you. You know, I've been so OCD about this whole pandemic and the whole like not getting it, like the fear around not getting it. And I was just dipped and bathed in all of the COVID, all the 19s, like all of it, just like wrapped in it, that (laughs) it kind of broke me. And um, I I feel like I've come out the other side of like, uh, you know, like... (laughs) You just do the best you can. And I'm just like, now I'm like a freaking, you know, Midwestern, like farm wife. Who's just like, well, you know, yeah, you, you just, yeah, you just, you just do what you can and leave the rest <laughs> up to God. Like that's <laughs> like, that's me now. Um, and I'm saying, I'm saying now, thanks to that. Um, but I, I, I will also say that I in the space of not working, um, have started to go to therapy again. So to, to be very literal about sanity corner, oh. I, it's something that I've kind of, I, I used to do in my twenties my late twenties and my early thirties. And I loved it. And I've stepped away from it for so long because of just simply logistics and time. It was like, all I was doing was rescheduling a person instead of mm-hmm. going to therapy. And, uh, so I started up again and it's been, Really amazing to have the space to like d- to do it, and I, I realize you know that's a real luxury uh, of this. And but it's the it's the little corner I carved out for myself. So that's what's happening. Nice.
2: I love it. I love
1: that. It's great. I mean, I love that you were broken, yeah. and I love that you're going to a place of fixing. And I'm curious what the newly reassembled Humpty Dumpty Michaela will look like.
2: I like I, li- I like the Midwestern flair that Humpty Dumpty yeah, Michaela yeah. has. Well, yeah, no know, uh,
3: you just you gotta put the gloves on if you want to get the get your hands in the dirt. So yeah, gotta do it and you take them off. You but- gotta.
2: Let go and let God you know, and, li- uh,
3: live, li- live, laugh, love, you know, <laughs> live, laugh,
1: love. Oh sure. oh, sure. Yours is pretty good, Grace. As a Midwesterner, I got to say,
2: you know, I'm pretty, uh, I can't, I feel the spirit of the Midwestern woman within me and I, uh, I like her a lot. I like to let her come out when she feels. Uh, let fine. her
3: out, let her breathe, let her
1: oh, live, yeah.
2: let oh, her live. Okay,
1: Grace, what's your sanity corner?
2: Okay. So speaking of, uh, Breaking and then being put back together. Uh, This is not a uh, novel uh, hobby that people have taken up during during quarantine. You've heard a lot about it, but I have found so much sanity in puzzles. (laughs) Oh, I love a puzzle. I found a brand that I recommend. It's called Ravensburger. If you can get a hold of a Ravensburger puzzle, I have this beautiful 2,000-piece beach scene that I'm doing right now a 2K, a 2K. Ooh, a 2000er. The quality of each piece is like, I care about the quality of puzzle pieces now. Who knew? Uh, it's beautiful, thick cardboard, elegantly made a beautiful, like deep blue background. Anyway. Um, I have found a lot of, a lot of pleasure in that. And I did not think that I would, I'm not a huge puzzle person. Um, but there's something that's so soothing. I turn off my brain. And speaking of The other thing that I'll say is knowing my limitations has been part of my sanity corner. And I'm so curious if anybody else out there has this experience, but I have been generally unable to function between the hours of like 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. And rather than pretend that I can, I just know that and get through those hours as best I can and work my schedule around those hours so that I can be functional in the morning and in the evening and basically zone out for those three hours. And I don't know why, because it's like post, it's not like I'm eating these heavy, you know, elaborate lunches, like with four martinis or whatever that would cause me to feel tired between two and 5 p.m. But maybe it has something to do with the fact that it's hot now in L.A. and during those hours is when the sun is like really hitting heavily in our home. But those afternoon hours, I can't do shit. And rather than feel bad about it, I just accept it. And I'm like, you know what, well, Grace, if this is just your, <laughs> this is your witching hour. These are the hours where you can't do anything and that's okay. And then like, you know, I'll get like one thing done during those hours and feel good about it. I will put chicken to marinade so that I can then bake it at five or whatever for a couple of hours and have dinner or I'll, uh, you know, make one phone call or something. Um, so that's been, that's been, you know, I think in a non-quarantine Period. I would push myself or I'd be like, all right, well, I got to get that coffee going. And I'm not really a coffee drinker anyway. So I would, you know, mm-hmm. spaz out on some decaf um, or, or I would do something to force myself to try to be productive during those hours. And now I'm just embracing it and saying like, you know what, this is, this is me. I suck <laughs> during those hours. I'm not going to get anything done. Live, laugh, love. Um,
3: you know what you're, what you just described <laughs> is a siesta. And I think, yes, I think, you know, yes we got to bring that back. We got to bring back. I mean, we got to bring it here. We got to bring it to America Yes, mm-hmm. and, and, or the U S it's like, that was my favorite thing. I lived in Italy when I was in college and I, I just loved everything to shut down. And, and it made all the sense in the world. And I hear that people, you know, execs, friends of mine who work at Netflix and things, the Zoom calls became too much. Yeah. That it was because they could conduct everything online all of a sudden. The Zoom calls became so much that people just needed a break. So nobody was allowed to schedule any appointments between two and like one and three or two and four or something like that. Yeah. And they had a natural two hour break talk about things that you hope continue in the, in the, in the after, what are we calling it? The time? afterlife, the aftertimes. the aftertimes In the aftertimes. <laughs> I, I, I hope siesta is one that we
2: adopt. I love, I love, you're much. so right. I had not connected that to siesta lifestyle, but. That's a great idea.
1: That's a great idea. Two and 5 p.m. is like yes! my depression prime time. Like, cause I, like, I get really anxious and depressed. It's like, I can't yes. read cause I'm so sad and anxious. So I should just knock myself out for three hours. And, and then once it starts becoming the end of the day and the lights starts changing, I'm fine. It's
2: but why like, the French can the drink wine way.
3: with lunch. Cause they just go night, night. And then they like, <laughs> you know,
2: and then they go wake, wake. maybe,
3: I'll, maybe I'll do
1: that today. Maybe I'll have a glass of wine with, Whatever Josh yes, makes for us. that sounds to go
2: to nice. Sleep. I love that. I love that idea.
1: Hey, it sounds great. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for sharing your sanity corners with us and for talking about how your lives are going. I miss, I miss both miss of you. you dearly. And I, I miss
2: you guys too.
1: I hope uh, I look forward to the next time we yeah. can all be in the same room because that was fun and I didn't. I didn't cherish it enough when I could <laughs> Thanks to Michaela and Grace for coming by today Thanks to Alyssa Monaco for also coming by And thanks to you, the listeners, for listening every week And for going through all of this with us And there will be more Hysteria next week Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media Caroline Reston is our producer Our editor is Sarah Barrett And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Melkonian, for filming and editing our video content every week.